Today on Locked On Canadians, we have an updated mailbag, sort of a makeup mailbag for the one that we missed on Friday with all your Habs questions. And that's coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 754 of Locked On Canadians, and we thank you for making us your first listen of the day. As you know, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube, um, and we're so, so grateful to all of you. We're nearing the end of the year, and we can't believe what a year it's been here. Uh, my name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm not joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla who is still stranded and cannot get home. But I'm very hopeful that for the next episode, he will be with us. And a quick programming note on that. There's a strong likelihood that there will not be a Thursday episode this week. But we will have a, uh, a boat, not a bonus, a supersized, I guess, Friday episode in which we're going to do a year in review. And we're going to talk about our favorite moments, the biggest moments from the year that was uh, in Montreal Canadiens land. I mean, you know, hiring Martin Saint-Louis, winning the draft lottery, all of that stuff. So we're going to talk about the year in review a little bit and talk about where we're going as a fan base, as a community, and where the team is going. That's all coming up on the Friday episode, and I need your help for that. We both need your help. We want you to send us your biggest moments of the year, as long as it happened in the calendar year 2022, what was your favorite Habs moment? Whether it was on the ice, whether it was off the ice, whether it was something personal to you, maybe you got to go to the game for the first time, a Habs game for the first time, uh, you, maybe you met a player, anything that was significant to you over the course of 2022, we want to hear about it. And please send that to us before Thursday or before uh, Thursday evening. You can send it to us uh, on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can also DM us on Twitter. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also um, leave them in the YouTube comments under this episode. I'll look under this episode um, and uh, and compile all of your moments because we really, really want to hear uh, your feelings for the end of this year. And today's episode is going to be a little bit short. This is a makeup mailbag from the one that I missed on Friday. And I'm going to start real quick with a fairly simple question. Uh, Johnny S., who's a longtime listener, and I will never forget uh, Johnny S., uh, donations to one of the charitable causes that we had championed a couple of years ago. And the mailbag question for this week is, or from, from Johnny is, how has Nicolas Baudin fared so far with the Rocket? Now, as we know, uh, Nicolas is at the Spengler Cup. But before that, I actually got... Uh, Scott to answer the question because I didn't want to say anything incorrect. I wanted to be accurate. And here is what Scott said. So he's he's not hosting or co-hosting today, but he's still very present for this mailbag. And the question is, he's been doing really well stepping up with Baron out injured and the team will miss him at the Spengler Cup. He's been really good at setting up teammates and collecting assists with fairly good regularity. So that's a positive. Um, it's very, very happy to hear that, obviously. Uh, you know, 
I'm not I'm not the rocket expert, but my co-host is one, and so you know he's 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 uh, talking about that. And since he brought up Justin Barron, who had been out injured, I know one of our listeners, Rick B, really disagrees with us on this, but we feel on this podcast that Justin Barron has worked really hard in Laval and has done enough to kind of bring himself into a position to be called up, which the Canadians finally did. Uh, I honestly have been not positively uh, surprised by him, but more negatively surprised by him. When uh, the Habs traded Lekin in for him, I thought that, you know, there, there was a lot more promise. I know that the Colorado system right now, like the prospects are all graduated and now they're, you know, they're, they're part of that, that, that team, that, that powerhouse team, which, you know, obviously they're out injured, but you know, the Stanley Cup winning team, right? Like they, they had the patience, they had the development and all of that. And so Justin Barron didn't make that team. He was in the AHL, but their prospect cupboard uh, now is looking a little bit more light than usual. And so, you know, if he was one of the best out of the, out of them, which I don't really believe, but anyway, at the time it was like, oh, he's one of the best that, that the Avs had to offer. And he's a great defensive prospect. His first couple of games in Montreal were great. And then he got injured. Um, and then it was, I think he never really came back from that. And then, you know, in Laval, he was playing Rick again. It was good. He was playing fine. Um, he wasn't doing anything to distinguish himself or earn a spot in the NHL lineup, but he was fine. And then when he came back, he's been playing well, like he's been doing well. So, you know, I think he's kind of earned a call up. The one thing that I'm a little bit concerned about, and I hope you listen to this before the game, because I don't know what's going to happen at the game tonight against Tampa, but the lines that they were practicing with, they still kind of had the Doc Suzuki Caulfield line broken up. Um, and I think that they're trying to use Doc to get other people going. And I know there's a lot of opinions on, you know, like now it's time to kind of really make Doc become the center he's supposed to be because the Canadians aren't winning games. So there's no point in kind of having that one line that that really is the only line that that is able to truly consistently generate offense and kind of use Doc's strengths to improve other areas of the lineup, maybe showcase Duran a little bit. So I'm still torn on that. I want to see a few more games from 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 the Habs and from Marty to kind of really make my decision on that. But all of this to say, like, think of this as a mini preview of the game tonight of sorts. Uh, and um, and I'm really, really hoping that, uh, you know, we see some positive signs. I think the last couple of games have been quite disappointing. And speaking of disappointing, the tank is obviously back on. So for, I believe, the next basically until the next draft, like our focus is going to be on trades, uh, whatever we hear about the trade market. We don't want to trade in rumors. We're not going to make up any rumors, but if anything comes out from a reputable source, if there's smoke, there's fire. If we hear from reputable sources that somebody's interested uh, in a player or anything like that, or Kent Hughes is in talks or whatever, or even if we have ideas of how trades should go, or you guys have ideas of how trades should go, we'll be covering that in the first half until until the trade deadline. And then we'll also be having our draft previews. It's time now to start looking at the next draft and looking at who the Canadians could pick. So we're going to have a lot of fun guests um, and we're going to talk prospects and that's all coming up in sort of the, the second half of this season. I think we kind of got derailed a little bit from that conversation when the Habs were winning games and we were having positive things to talk about. But now that it's kind of you know, they've gone back down. I believe they're uh, seventh worst in the NHL again, which is where we kind of thought they would end up. Um, I think that it's time to now focus on the future. So we're going to be talking all about trades. Again, we're not going to make up any rumors and we're not going to be 
indulging people who trade and made up rumors that are baseless, but reputable sources talk about it. We will cover it here and we'll talk about, you know, return and everything like that. In the meantime, I have some more mailbag questions coming up and that'll come up in just one second. But first, this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the NHL. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports fix and your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, as you know, is where the game starts. And where our game starts is I'm going back to the mailbag. And I want to thank everyone for asking so many good questions. There's a couple of questions that I'm going to answer myself, but I'm also going to bring uh, Scott in as well uh, in our in our year-end review. Because, I mean, you can, you can tell from this question that it is going to come up in the year-end review. Uh, and this is from Emmerich. And the question is, who's for you the most surprising player in terms of player development and exciting to watch this season? For me, it's Arbor Jackai. I've listened to his episode on the Raw Knuckles podcast, and this kid is so so down to earth. He's got so much potential. Uh, we here love the Raw Knuckles podcast. I mean, we might not agree with everything that Chris Nyland says or does, but the guests are amazing. The interviews are really good. And yes, Arbor Jackai, amazing on that show. I think for me, I would say that as well. I know there's people that we're observing him a lot more closely in the OHL and they they are not surprised, but I thought that he, not that he was unskilled in any way. I didn't think he was a one dimensional goon in any way, but I didn't think that he was this skilled and he would be this effective um, in the, in the NHL at the NHL level. I love that. I was thinking as well uh, about Richard and I, I have to defer to people who are more, prospect oriented or rocket oriented, but that was also really nice surprise this year. And I I think, you know, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot about the rocket that you can convincingly say has been promising. Like there's been a lot of faltering, there's been injuries, there's been all kinds of stuff. So I think for me, uh, Richard is the rockets. Richard is, is, uh, is a good surprise for me. And that's a great question from Emmerich. And I will ask Scott this question in the next, in our last mailbag slash year end review of the season. And so this is, this question (laughs) is from Chris H on Twitter. If Scott dies and you can pick anyone else as a co-host, who would it be? So I want to provide a bit of context. Nobody's wishing death upon Scott, but um, when it started like the, the, um, the warning started about the weather in Buffalo where he lives. He was thankfully able to get out. Now he can't get back in, but he was able to get out of Buffalo, thankfully. I jokingly said, please give me mailbag questions in case Scott dies and I need help. And, you know, I obviously, thankfully, for good reasons, I need help because Scott is safe. Um, and so I was thinking about who I would want as a co-host. And this is like shameless pandering to one of my friends, but Jay Foster uh, of Locked On, um, Locked On Blue Jackets, uh, who you will be familiar with because he's been on the show. Um, and so I think he would make a great co-host, mostly because he and Scott are basically the same person. And you can't say you've ever seen them in the same room at the same time. So I think that would be one. And I really like, so I, my dream co-host for anything would be 
Allison Lucan, who is currently of obviously the Too Many Men podcast, if you listen to that, and if you don't, you should, and um, and obviously of uh, the Seattle broadcasting team. I think Allison is amazing. I think we have a great rapport. I think she is so easy to talk to. I think she explains everything so well. So she's one of my dream co-hosts as well. And I was thinking about, you know, who else could I, would I want? And um, Erica Lindsay Ayala, <laughs> she was on our podcast. She actually, it was her idea. We had a squad cast uh, before the Canadian Seattle game a couple of weeks ago. And she's just so filled with so much joy and energy. She literally makes me happy just by being on a podcast with her. So I feel like my life would be very happy if I had Erica as a co-host. Um, and we're going to ask Scott this as well. Like if I died, who would he want to be hosting with? Um, that would be fun. So this, some of these questions came from obviously just before Christmas. So uh, Jim, our friend hockey in Ottawa, everyone is doing, what does X team want for Christmas? And he said, let's flip it. What's the worst hockey move each Canadian team has done that deserves a lump of coal? Okay, so this one is a bit rough because I think that some of them are sort of off-ice uh, things. Like, for example, the Vancouver Canucks have made a lot of weird decisions on the ice, but the lack of transparency about the Rachel Dory dismissal and the way that they handled it, and now she has like uh, like grounds for a human rights complaint against them, I think that that's probably a really bad move. Like if they, if she wasn't good at her job or whatever, and again, we weren't there or anything like that, but if they weren't happy with her performance or she wasn't good at her job, they could have let her go without like the emotional bullying that she's accusing them of, the emotional abuse that she's accusing them of. So that to me is, you know, that's a bad move in my mind that the Vancouver Canucks made that deserve a lump of coal. I think for the Edmonton Oilers, it would be Evander Kane uh, for obvious reasons. I'm not going to get into it. And um, I think that one's pretty clear. Um, I think for me, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I can't really be objective about them. So I'm just going to go ahead and say existing is a thing that they did that deserves a lump of coal. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, with their lack of transparency about the, the Fomenton issue, uh, again, we don't know, but we can't accuse without knowing. You know, I think people are given the presumption of innocence until proven guilty, but their lack of transparency about it just made the situation seem worse and kind of seemed to solidify that there was something wrong um, behind the scenes or that they knew of wrongdoing. So I think that to me is, is a big one. And if you notice like a theme of all of these is like the lack of transparency, because I think that sometimes you can make a questionable decision and you can have justified reasoning behind it. But I think that you have to be able to at least explain to your fans, your audience, people that pay you for your product, you have to be able to explain to them in a transparent way why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, I think that this season has been, or this year has been a year of repairing and rebuilding past mistakes. So I'm going to give them a pass, not because I'm a homer, but because I genuinely look at like the things that they've done and it's like, oh, well, their power play sucks and they need to make better decisions on that. I think that's, you know, that's one of them. Who am I missing? I did Edmonton, Vancouver. Uh, I did Ottawa, Toronto. I think I'm missing Calgary. And they continue to employ Milan, employ Milan Lucic. So that's going to be my answer for, um, 
for the Calgary Flames and Winnipeg. Right. Well, Winnipeg has the coward Mark Shifley on it until he's gone. There seems to be dysfunction in that locker room still. There's some there's some weird stuff going on there. But that is going to be, you know, just the existence of Mark Shifley, employing Mark Shifley, the coward Mark Shifley, is going to be the lump of coal for um, the Winnipeg Jets. So I've got a couple more questions coming up. There was a question about ranking the defensemen in the system, and that was on a YouTube question. I think I'm going to defer that to Scott, not necessarily because I want him to take the heat for the answer, but I just want to see if we're both on the same page. I think maybe we'll ask the question and then kind of write down before the before the show, we'll write down like our rankings of the defensemen in the Canadian system. And then we'll surprise each other on the show with the answer to the question. In the meantime, um, there's still some mailbag questions coming up. I'm not done yet. And all of that is coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. All right. So let's go through some more questions that we received. Um, we've got our friend Kristen. Hi. Which Canadians have made the naughty list this year? And you can interpret this however you'd like. Um, I, um, I'm just going to say Joel Edmondson. And then you can interpret that however you like. Um, and then we've got a question from Boondoggle. Mailbag. Why does Slav seem to get benched so often while bums like Dodonov still get regular ice time? Let the kids play. Slav should get a stint on the top line. No way he could be worse than Anderson. I agree that there's no way he could be worse than Anderson. Anderson is not really contributing a whole lot to that top line when he is being put there. I know why they do it. I also know why he keeps getting benched is because you can be as modern of a coach as possible. If you grew up in the old school, old school system, and as much as you want to let people play and allow them to make mistakes, there's something about that old school mentality that creeps in and he gets benched when he makes a mistake because coaches cannot help themselves. Like I think you really have to work hard to break yourself out of an outdated mentality. And it is hard. It's rough. Like I don't envy Mar Mar Marty at all, but it's definitely the reason. Like, I think it's just old school. Like, I, I like I don't think that they're trying to bring him down or anything like that. I think it's just like instinct that like you bench the younger players, the rookie players when they make mistakes. And as much as he's been better about it with everyone else, I think he's also not that bad about it with Slav. But like you can sometimes see like it's like it it looks like it really looks like old school mentality has crept in and he hasn't been able to kind of evolve past that unless someone else is making those decisions. Right. Unless it's not Marty. Another question, uh, same listener. What does Dodonov even do for this team? He sure doesn't seem to do anything on the ice other than leave Makar wide open. Is he even worth a fifth round pick at this point? Anything in his play that will make you think he will improve his play? I think that he can improve his play. And I think the issue is that most of this team is being misused and there's a lack of there's a lack of talent that they can be played alongside. And I think a player like Dodonov is definitely one of those where you have to be in the right situation in order to be able to produce and succeed. So for me, that's the reason that he's not producing. And I think if the Canadians can sort of pair him with somebody that will bring the best out of him, I think you can get more than a fifth round pick. You, you could probably get a fourth <laughs> for him. I don't think it's the end of the world. I just... 
I didn't understand why they made that trade other than to just kind of get rid of the Shea Weber question from Montreal. Like I just, I don't, you know, like there didn't seem to be like a, an on ice reason for that. It was more just like a, an organizational need more than anything else. So I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be sort of, it, it remains to be seen. Like I think he needs to pick up his play in order to be a trade target, but I still have faith that Kent Hughes will be able to sell him. And then finally, this is another question again from Boondoggle. Mailbag. Did you read the Horvat trade proposal for the Habs by Ryan Dixon of Sportsnet? He proposed the Habs give up Savard, Struble, Beck, the Florida first this year and a third next year. I don't think that's a good idea. I think Horvat is a fantastic player. I think that if you are a team that is looking for one or two pieces because you're ready to contend, Bo Horvat is the kind of guy you go after. But as a rebuilding team, those are too many assets to give up at the moment. Like, and it's just like, like Beck and the Florida first, like, have, have you seen the market? Like, that's not, you know, as great as Bo Horvat is again. No, <laughs> like literally, no, like I'm not going to repeat the other stuff that, that was said, but I think you can, you can uh, guess what we're thinking here. It's like, this is like, it's extremely out there. I think, no, I think Bo Horvat is worth looking for and, and inquiring about 100%. If you're a team that's ready to go for it, you're ready to make the playoffs and start making noise, you call. But you don't give up a whole bunch of assets when you need assets. Like, if you take away Savard, not a big loss. Struble, we still don't know how Jaden Struble is going to end up, right? He's still in the NCAA. Owen Beck, the Florida first and a third next year. What are you left with? You're basically like taking half your, your, your prospect covered away. Well, not half, but you know what I mean? It's way too much to give up. It's like, it's insane. Um, so then our friend Jeffers, can we see Heineman or someone else as the next Lekkinen? I cannot right now um, in our prospect pool, but I think I really, I'm looking at, at their prospect pool. I'm like, I don't know who's going to be that guy, but I think that, I think that, it's going to be a good idea to have this topic uh, when we start inviting our draft guests on in the new year, because we're going to have a lot of people who do draft analysis and prospect review, some of whom you love already, some of whom might be new to you. And we will ask about Emil Heinemann, but also like, is there somebody in the Habs system or somebody that's going to be available in the draft coming up that could be a Lekkonen type player? So our friend Casey Lee um, asks, Pretend you have to give a Habs player a gift for Christmas. Which player would you want and what would you give them? I think the easiest person to shop for would be Cole Caulfield because he just seemed like a guy that's so full of joy that he would just love anything you give him. Any present. He'll be like so appreciative of the thought. So Cole Caulfield is the guy that I choose. Uh, our friend Blaine Potvin, who's been on the show, who I come back, please, um, from the Habs Unfiltered podcast, obviously. If you can watch any sporting event, past or present, what would it be and why? I think for me, I would have liked to have been at the 2010 Olympic gold medal winning game, uh, either the men's hockey or the women's hockey. I think maybe both. Uh, I think that would have been a good time. But something that I would like to experience in my lifetime is a World Cup final. Obviously, not would not have done this year for very many obvious reasons. But I would really love to experience that in my lifetime. Just any World Cup final, I want to see that. Um, in football, soccer, whatever. 
Um, a draft scenario from our friend Robert Rice of Habs Eyes and the Prize, or a fellow alum. Draft scenario. Montreal holds the sixth overall pick, and because of the war, the suspended transfer agreement and his KHL contract lasting until 2026, Michkov is still on the board on draft day. Do you believe Hughes and Gorton would roll the dice for this player? So prior to the last draft that they said that these kinds of considerations would not necessarily affect their um, their their decision-making, but I think that he's good enough that they'd probably take a chance, but they probably need some reassurances from him, right? I don't know how the contact is with players and their agents right now, players in Russia, players who are playing for the KHL, but I think he's so, so good that you at least pause and like really do a thorough analysis of whether or not you're going to be able to bring him to North America because if you can do that what an amazing player are you getting I personally as somebody who definitely errs on the safer side of things I wouldn't do that as somebody who tries to you know tries to play it safe I'm a little bit more conservative but Hughes and Gorton are a lot more bold but I don't think that they would do it without doing their homework our friend goalie droid I usually do money is no object questions this time but this time, what holiday gifts do you give your favorite Habs with a $20 max per person? So he's not my favorite Hab, but I think the easiest answer to this question, an under $20 gift for somebody is Brendan Gallagher. You go to the drugstore and you get him a separate body wash, shampoo, and conditioner instead of the three-in-one he's likely using, <laughs> or potentially even dish soap. I don't know what he's using, but that is the easiest one to shop for. Uh, I think somebody like, for example, uh, Nick Suzuki and his lovely girlfriend, they have an amazing cat, so you can pick up a bunch of cat toys for under 20 bucks. That's great. Um, I think I would say that Josh Anderson seems to be the kind of guy who would enjoy a nice bottle of wine and also be excited that you found it at a reasonable price. So that's definitely one that's up there. Uh, and surprisingly, I do feel that Jake Allen is probably a guy who really loves books. So I could get him probably a really good book, maybe a historical like autobiography or something like that or you know memoirs or something like that's that's the kind of thing that I feel like he would be into um so those are some ideas that uh, for for gifts for the guests and then we've got we've got a couple more questions that I don't want to tackle without Scott one of them is obviously as I said ranking the defenseman and then the other one is trading Jordan Harris to uh, Los Angeles for Brent Clark. So we're going to tackle that question in our next episode. And if I missed any questions, please yell at me to make sure that I answer them. I know there was a comment um, from Tyler L on YouTube that I haven't brought up, then that's also coming in the next episode as well. In the meantime, I thank you all for listening and bearing with me again by myself trying to do a mailbag and a sh pretty short one at that. And uh, remember to send us your mailback questions and also your favorite moments of the year. We're going to be recording this on Thursday night. So please send them to LO underscore Canadians at Twitter, or you can DM them. Uh, and you can also send them to us by email, uh, lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. You can also leave them in the YouTube comments to this episode. I will bring them up. Some of you have emailed us already. I'm very excited about that. So Moments of the year, mailback questions. Let me know if I missed any of your mailback questions. And that's all coming up in our next episode. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you probably Friday. If we can talk to you on Thursday, we will. But if not, it's going to be Friday. Thank you.